8866. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Five minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. We take you up until noon, uh, bottom of the hour or thereabouts. Our friend Rob Doster from the field of 68 will get into college basketball's Mike Krzyzewski has made it official. He's retiring at the end uh, of this year. Let's get our friend Brian Walton in here, We're the uh, the Cardinals. Uh, we had it going on in Arizona. The Dodgers are a different breed, although they did pick them off, what, two? nights ago I want to say before last night uh, but the big news that came out of it uh, is the is the injury to Jack Flaherty who was every bit the ace that he looked like he was going to be he had reached that point uh, and now he goes on the injured list Brian Trenton Ken thank you for coming on so it's Monday night and I happen to be finishing my Memorial Day weekend of sports watching you know kind of kicking back and watching uh, watching the Cardinals and the Dodgers play and Flaherty's in the batter's box and he swung the bat and winced and you could tell at that point uh, that something is really or looked like something had gone on, and he just assumed that it was you know it was during the at bat that the injury had occurred, but apparently not the case, perhaps. Yeah, and you know those side they called it a side injury initially, and of course the biggest concern and it was confirmed to be an oblique injury, and those injuries are such that they can really affect a player for some period of time, and it's difficult to put your finger on, is it going to be two weeks, four weeks, six weeks? You know, these, in- these injuries can linger, and of course, a pitcher, you know, with their, with their motions, uh, you know, they have to be sure that they're 100% before they'll let them come back, so the Cardinals are going to be without Jack Flaherty for some time, it appears. Flaherty, a while. So when you you go through and you look at this, they need help. They have other options, but we've talked about the possibility of going out and getting Max Scherzer, but even if it isn't somebody that much, what kind of supplemental help do they need? And after Carlos Martinez last night, maybe even a little bit more for that rotation. Yeah, it's it's been a frustrating time because... Coming into the year, we thought pitching depth was going to be the strength of the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. They had a number of starters, you know, lined up. Granted, Dakota Hudson was out for the year, but Michaelis hasn't been able to come back. Kim had his injury period, and uh, you know, Michaelis isn't able to return now. As you mentioned, Flaherty's on the IL, and Johan Oviedo is a young pitcher they brought up last year without any double A, without, excuse me, without any triple A experience, hasn't really stepped in well this year. So now they've got to look internally and say, our guys like Daniel Ponce de Leon, who started before. You know, has has been kind of iffy because he can't throw, hasn't thrown strikes as a starter. Maybe Jake Woodford, a guy who started in the minor leagues and was successful but got pushed to the bullpen. But after that, there's not much on the way. The the big prospects, the car, pitching prospects that Cardinals have, Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson, have basically jumped from A ball to Triple A this year, and they're just frankly not ready. So if the Cardinals want to stay in the race and these injuries continue to linger, they're going to have to go outside at the break and, and get someone and. 
you know, that's not something that they've liked to do in the past. Uh, what what we're noticing about this team, we knew the hype around Carlson. We, Trenton, you and I have been talking about this for years, uh, and he's I think he's leading the team or was in batting average. But Tyler O'Neill, I don't remember him, Brian. Uh, the hype, and maybe it was there, and I just you know I, I just missed it. Um, he he's got he's got double digit home runs for sure this year. He's a young player. What's his story? And was the hype around him? And you did it approach the Carlson level that I seem to recall? No, Carlson was a nationally ranked prospect. He was a guy that that from right out of high school, first round pick. Everybody thought that he had the potential to be what he is, which is a solid major league player. You know, he's he's now in that number two spot lineup and is producing very, very well. Tyler O'Neill was a prospect in the Seattle system and he his promise was power. You know, you look at him and he's the son of a weight you know, weight left professional weightlifter and just a well built guy, but his challenge had been not with twofold. One was always staying healthy. We've even seen that this year, but his other challenge is that he just struck out too much. He would go with the, go after the low breaking pitches and get himself out. And what we've seen from Tyler O'Neill this year is uh, improved plate discipline. You know, he's not getting himself out, and when he connects with the ball, he's got the power to send it a long way. So he's certainly a, a positive story for the Cardinals' offense that even with the addition of Nolan Arenado, hasn't been as consistent as they need it to be to, to win the division this year. 17 years ago today, Yadier Molina made his debut Is with that the Cardinals. What it was? Wow. Mike Matheny went to the disabled list. Jeez. Who takes over? Yadi hits two hits huh. in his first game, throws out a runner, makes a tag at home in a 4 2 victory. And mm-hmm. here we are 17 years Wally later. Wally Pipped. He was a good prospect. He was considered a good prospect. I remember that at the time. They were. Not anticipating he was going to get called up in June, but because injury, that happened. What do you remember about that time and Yachty making his way up the final of the three Molina brothers? Yeah, I think that uh, that because of the Molina family connection, as you mentioned, Trent, that you know folks knew of him and knew that he was going to be a solid defensive player. But folks kind of tend to forget the first few years up, Yadier Molina was not very good offensively. You know, hitting in the two tens, two twenties. But he continued to work at hitting and learned. If you look, you know, he's a guy that doesn't hit into the shift. He can hit the ball the other way. He can shorten up with two strikes. And if today's hitters could just learn like Yadier Molina to just not try to hit every ball out of the park, you know, they would be much more effective. And so, you know, we're seeing a guy, you know, 38, 39 years old that is better offensively than he was when he was 25. Which is remarkable. Uh, I didn't realize it had been 17 years. You know, as much time time as you devote to the minor leagues and and following these Cardinal prospects, I want to get your take on a a former Cardinal prospect who's lighting it up on the north side of Chicago. At least he has been for a week in Patrick Wisdom. Speaking of power, he's shown a lot of power. He did so at the AAA level. Twice he hit 30-plus home runs. What do you remember about him, and what went wrong with the in the Cardinals organization? Uh, he's a, what did you say, Trent? A supplemental first-round pick uh, in his draft year of 2013. He followed the minor leagues of the Cardinals very closely. What went wrong? Did anybody see this coming? Interesting thing with Patrick Wisdom, he was part of a draft class. The Cardinals took three third basemen early. One is Carson Kelly, who, of course, is, became a catcher and is, and is doing well for Arizona Diamondbacks. The other is Stephen Piscotti, mm. who's now an outfielder for Oakland. Yep. And then, of course, Patrick Wisdom was the third, and he's the only guy who stayed at third base. Always solid defensively, as you mentioned, always had the power, but had the strikeout problems as well. 
and Wisdom actually left the Cardinals organization several years ago, has bounced around, has been free agent multiple times. So this isn't necessarily like the Randy Rosarena story where mm. the Cardinals gave up on a gem and, you know, he immediately blossomed with another team. Wisdom has been looking for his chance for, for multiple years, and, you know, if he's found it, that's great, or he could be one of those guys who, you know, has 30 days of success and goes back to being basically a 4A player, which is what anybody would have told you Patrick Wisdom was coming into this year. You know, we've talked a lot here the last week in our program about the schedule, the Cubs schedule, how incredibly difficult it is, the Cardinals and Brewers, not the case, but, well, if the Cubs just keep winning games, it's hard to pick up anything as they sweep the Padres and they just keep rolling here. Do you look at schedules very much? I know it's something Ken and I enjoy doing, but ultimately, sometimes it's an exercise in futility. Still got to play good baseball. Are you a schedule watcher? I'm really not, other than, I don't know if we talked about it or not here, but if you look at that the September and the last few weeks of the season, it's going to be incredibly exciting mm-hmm. as these top teams in the division play head-to-head. So this year, I, you know, I haven't really looked at the schedule much other than to say it's going to be a really exciting time in September because, as we've talked about all along, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Brewers all have the capability to win this division, and it's just a matter of who can keep it together you know, long enough to do it. Yeah, we uh, we started by talking about how about difficult the Cubs schedule was in June. Then we went to the Brewers and it and the Cardinals, and it's well, you would think that they have a chance to make up some ground. Are you buying this Cubs game and a half in front right now? As we, you know, uh, for the better part, just enter the month of June. Are you buying this, Brian? You know, it's just great to see guys like Chris Bryant, who you know it seemed like had had lost it for a while, you know, begin to begin to produce again. I still question whether the Cubs' pitching depth is enough to get them yeah. over the line, but I've said that for the last two or three years. You know, I'm really most worried as a Cardinals watcher, most worried about the Milwaukee Brewers because they're young pitching Woodruff and and, and all, and and so. But, yeah, again, any of these three teams have the capability. It's going to be injuries. It's going to be hot, you know, guys who get hot. And maybe, you know, some guys called up from the minors. And that's an area where, again, I think the Cardinals are weak. I don't think they have a lot, you know, ready to ready to come up and help them. And they're going to have to decide if they're willing to potentially give up some prospects and make some trades for some uh, major league, you know, type of players who can – who can help? And they need it probably most in the bullpen. Although another outfielder wouldn't be a bad thing either. So Flaherty starts eight. No, then he runs up against Giolito, and he had a, it was terrible defense. I'm uh, not sure if you saw that game or not. Just the yeah. defense just yeah. collapsed around uh, Flaherty. Um, so if it's the worst case scenario, if it is months, and I've I've read I've seen weeks, I've seen multiple weeks heading into months. Can they stick it? Can they stay in this race if it's August and their ace, who was eight and zero, oh, is still not back? Get in the month and as we uh, as we get into August, can they stay in the race? I think it's going to be hard. I mean, yeah, they can stay in the race, but whether they're you know they couldn't would they take the lead and you know pull away in the division? Michaelis, you know, they're hoping he can come back, but that's a big question mark. And so you know you got a guy a rotation where it's got three of their guys starters from last year unavailable. It's just going to be hard for them to do that. And you know the Max Scherzer possibility is something everybody loves because of course he's a hometown guy. Mm-hmm. They used to talk. Mark Burley the same way for years when he was with the White Sox in the later stages of his career. I don't know if the Cardinals will do something that big, but again, given the lack of depth that they have in the minors right now to help them, I think if they don't go outside and get some help, it's going to be hard for them to, to stick there at the top the rest of the way. Speaking of help, we appreciate you helping Trent and I out this morning, Brian Walton. TheCardinalNation.com TheCardinalNation.com for you Cardinal fans out there. Brian, thanks. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton. On the St. Louis Cardinals. So the St. Louis Post 
Dispatch. Try that again. Yes. <laughs> they uh, had the article they wrote 17 years ago today on the debut of Yadi Molina, which I saw this morning. Uh, Derek Gold that. had tweeted it out. Uh, is he writer. still writing for them? I think yeah. he is. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so he tweeted that out. I clicked on it. Really enjoyed it. But my favorite part is they have the actual box score from the newspaper that day, like a picture of it yeah. there. So I want to go through here. And they, who did they play? They played the Pirates. Okay. Leading off for the Cardinals that day, Tony Womack. Okay. Edgar Renteria in the two spot. Oh. Albert Pujols batting third. Your cleanup man. Three hits for Scott Rowland. Batting fifth, Reggie Sanders uh, coming up That's in the... That's a pretty good lineup. Ray Lankford playing left Jeez. field. There's Molina behind him. So Taguchi got a pinch hit in wow. the game as Woody Williams was pitching, and Jim Edmonds also with the pinch hit in that game. It went Woody Williams to lead it off, Klein, Ulian Tavares, hmm. Ray King, and Jason Isringhausen finished it off. I love old box scores. I do, too. I could just go through those things. Give me a newspaper from 1988, 1998, and 2008. I could sit there, look at that aggregate type. For hours Didn't, on Did Isringham have a, a 40 safe season? In oh, his absolutely. Career? I think yeah. he did, right? Yeah. 44 rings a bell for me. How about, who was the big three? Isringhausen with the Mets. It was him. They were on the cover oh, of Sports yeah, Illustrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who were the other oh, guys? Oh, gosh, Trent. My memory not what it wants. I should, we should know this. Paul? Paul Wilson? No. Paul? Oh. God, I should know this. I know. These were these. That was such the expectations for these guys. Did any of them make it? Isringhausen became a closer, and he was, I think, the best of the bunch. Right? Uh, no. Uh, Bill Pulsiver. Bill Pulsiver. He was a big righty, and Paul Wilson. It was Paul Wilson the other mm-hmm. name. I've been thinking of somebody else. Man. Yeah, Jason Isringhausen had a hell of a record. Ray King was a lefty, I, I believe. Yes, Ray King was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Old box scores. Uh-huh. You can get lost in them. You think young people just think we're weird? I hope well, so. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Say la vie. It's, you don't even get the newspaper anymore. I can't remember. I even in college, it would be Friday after class, get a USA Today Get the point spreads for the weekend. That was a big part of it. Yep. And read the USA Today and every preview of college football's top 25 matchups. Now with the internet, you just don't need it. Box scores was an entire page. So uh-huh. so when I was a kid, we got the, the, the Winnipeg Free Press, and it would come at 6 o'clock at night. And I would be, and the games, today's games would have already started. Yeah. And I'm reading yesterday's, and i just so into it. Mickey Lolich and Denny McLean and Bill Freehand and those Tiger teams from the 60s. Oh, it was fun. 1988, my great-grandma lived next door. We got the Des Moines Register. She did. And so I would bring her mail to her every day at about noon when it got there. Mm-hmm. The newspaper would come at the same time. Same day's paper? Yes. Really? It would be the morning paper from the Register. And and it would get up there just what? 12, 1230. Right, yeah. And during the summertime, i get there. I remember the Orioles, when they were off to that awful start the season, they went, what, 0-11, whatever it is. Did they lose again? Well, it happened 20 hours ago. Yeah. I had no clue. And just waiting to see if the Orioles had lost again and whatever I missed on the Twins game and on and on and on. It's a different world. No, it is. You know, and I, uh, what I would do is I would get the, 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 the horse racing page and, and, and the selections and I'd make my own selections. Yeah. And then the next day I would see how I did in the charts. I mean, I'm a young kid doing this, right? Oh, man. 
I miss the newspaper. I do too. I really do. We will take a time out. It's 1120. We'll come back. We will get into uh, college basketball with our friend Rob Doster. Find out what's percolating in college basketball. Of course, the big story. Mike Shashevsky moving on after this year. Uh, Rob Doster joins us next. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO and 106.1 one for podcasting. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on your side. Building a better community doesn't happen overnight. It takes hard work, dedication, and sacrifice. It takes a team, and it takes time. That's why for 75 years, we at NCMIC have been here working for you and with you. But this anniversary, we're not just looking back, we're focusing on the future, on building Iowa, on the better days ahead, and on how together we can all start taking the path forward. The Central Iowa Sports Network is your home for year-round coverage of high school athletics in the CIML and the only place to watch Des Moines Menace Soccer. Providing coverage year-round and always streaming for free on YouTube and at CISN.TV. Subscribe to CISN TV on YouTube to stay up to date on upcoming events. Like and follow on Facebook and Twitter at CISN TV or visit their website at CISN.TV. CISN TV, the home for live local sports. Wolf Roofing has learned a few things over the years. We understand that no one wants their home improvement project to drag on. So at Wolf Roofing, we plan for your project well before we set foot on site. As a result, most projects are done in one day. We also know... Quality is important in the big things like a proper installation and in the details like cleaning up well and using magnets to find stray nails. Find us on the web at wolfroofing.net or give us a call 225-8 and iHeartMedia. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. And welcome back, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. A couple of minutes past 1125 as we take you up until noon. Let's get our friend Rob Doster in here from the Field of 68. He's the founder of the Field of 68, and he joins us with the Mike Krzyzewski news. It has been made official within the last hour. He will retire at the end of the year. John Shire taking over. Rob Trenton, Ken, as always, thank you for finding time for us. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, and, and you know, Ken, it's great to finally uh, you know catch back up with you again. I'm glad to finally be on the air with um, you know, in the state of Iowa, someone with a little bit of talent. So it's great to catch up with you. <laughs> the hell is going on over there, Doctor? Well, not at you, all. Condon. I believe. <laughs> hey, Rob, uh, I know that uh, you guys at the Field of 68, uh, Goodman, yourself, um, you caught wind of the Shashevsky recently, but still um, thought it might be coming. When did it first start to percolate that uh, there might be an announcement here uh, that uh, we now know happened today? 
I mean, there were some rumors starting back in April that uh, there was going to be some kind of change in Durham at some point, um, maybe this summer, maybe in the off season that there was going to be an announcement coming. But you know, it's one of those things where you kind of hear it, and it's 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 one of those rumors that you just you're like, well, nothing's happened. It's been six weeks, and nothing's happened, so maybe nothing is going to happen. And then uh, yesterday, there was a lot of movement on it. I mean, I, I got texts from Jeff early that morning saying he knew something was gonna was gonna happen and, and to be ready for it. So. Um, it was not totally surprising to me when this decision got made. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, Coach K is 75 years old, right? Right. And at some point after the year we just had, how many people, right, how many people in the world had just a, just a, a grinding 2020? How many people completely changed what their priorities are, the things that they look for out of life? How many people have said, you know what, maybe I don't have to work to make all this money. Maybe... I can go in and go into retirement and relax and then kind of enjoy the life that I've built for myself. How many people have rearranged their, their priorities? I don't think that Coach K is any different from um, from anybody else who just kind of went through what we went through over the course of the last 15 or 16 months. So uh, I think that certainly played a role in it. I think his age played a role, it, uh, a role in it. And at the end of the day, like, he was never going to coach forever, right? Once you kind of hit that age, you know the end is coming at some point. And uh, I think we, uh, you know, I think maybe um, what he went through in the last year, not just with the pandemic, but with the, you know, the, the issues that they had with that team, the struggle that they had, it probably put a new perspective on a lot of the stuff that he was dealing with. So um, we knew it was coming eventually, but the end is here for Coach K as a basketball coach. And then, look, I'll tell you this much. You better be ready for the farewell tour mm. because Coach K is to college basketball what uh, Derek Jeter was to baseball. He is to college basketball what Kobe Bryant was to the NBA. He is the face of it. He is the icon. He is the most recognizable person in the sport. And he is the guy that is going to get a farewell tour. The standing ovations everywhere he goes, the mm-hmm. plaques, the celebration. Uh, so if you think that this is something that you're not ready for, well, you better buckle up. Because if you don't hate Duke right now, you're probably going to be <laughs> really, really sick of him in the next 10 months. Year 41 was something we hadn't seen in a long time. They finished 13-11. He said in the past that this was not the way that he wanted to walk away. Things changed over the last year, as we all know, though. If they would have gone 21-8 and this year, lost in the Sweet 16, did he just, would he just walked away, in your opinion, would he have just said, you know what, I'm going to hang it up, or I just, I understand, not wanting to walk out in that kind of season, missing the tournament for the first time since 95. If they were just above average, they were a Sweet 16 team, would that been enough for him to walk away and not have this farewell tour? I, I honestly don't think so because, I mean, look, I, I do think that he probably wants this. I think that he enjoys the attention. I mean, and I don't think it's really uh, – there's a lot of people that would enjoy having uh, kind of a farewell tour at the end of their job, right? Um, and, uh, you know, to be frank, when you kind of reach the level that he has reached in his profession, you might deserve it to a point. Uh, but I don't think that he would have either way simply because the one thing I think you can say about Coach K is he's very uh, – of what's right and wrong, right? He has this view that he, he he is the guy that can tell you what's morally correct, and I don't think he's the kind of person that wants to um, recruit a player to come play for him and then leave when that player gets to campus, right? And I think that part of the reason, I, I don't know if it was 75% of the reason, 25% of the reason, but I'm sure it played a role in the decision to make this announcement now is so that anybody that he recruits for the class of uh, 2022, 
anybody that's going to be a freshman next season, not not next season, but the season afterwards, anybody that he's recruiting right now understands that he's not going to um, he's not going to be there. Like I think that he's the kind of guy where doing the right thing matters to him. And look, I mean, we've seen it with the way that he. Uh, remember when he talked to Dylan Brooks after that game against Oregon in the 2017 NCAA tournament when he kind of said, yeah, you're, you're, you're better than that. Don't do that. You're like, and, and then there was the thing last year with the student reporter where he, he kind of said, yeah. like, hey, look, yeah. th- this is the way that you should ask questions. You know, he, he's one of these guys where he believes he has kind of the sage advice and all of this wisdom, and, and he it's it's his duty to be able to share that with people. And so I think he's very um, – into doing things the right way and doing the right thing. And I don't think in his mind, recruiting players to come to the school while it feels like you're lying to them about who's going to be their coach is the right thing. So that, to me, that certainly played a factor in his decision. And I don't think that he was ever going to go, um, you know, regardless of what last season. Maybe if they won the title last year, it might be a different conversation to kind of go out on top, I guess. I mean, that's what John Wooden did Mm -hmm. um, in 1975, right? He won the title and then he was gone. So I think that might have changed things a little bit. But, I mean, with the talent they got coming in, how good they can be, and the fact that he recruited all of these players to play for him, I think that that would have, uh, in the end, persuaded him to stay. It, it, did the Roy Williams decision make any uh, have any impact, do you think? The fact that Dean Roy... Um, you know, I, I, I don't think so. I, I, obviously, I haven't asked uh, Coach K about this himself, but I, I don't think that it did. Um, I think it was just everything else that's going on. You know, he can say that he doesn't want, like, the, the NIL stuff right. and the transfer stuff didn't have an impact. Mm-hmm. But I really do believe that it probably did. Like, the thing that you can say about Coach K um, is that he's been very uh, good at kind of changing the way that he runs his program to be able to um, modernize what he's doing, right? You know, he they, they – he built a dynasty in the late 80s and the early 90s doing things a certain way. And he did built a dynasty again uh, in the late 90s and the early 2000s doing things a certain way. He won the 2010 national title with a team that had like seven big guys and two guards with a whole bunch of veterans on it, right? Then he started recruiting the one and done. Then in 2015, he won a title with a whole bunch of freshmen playing four guards, right? So he's been very good at kind of changing the way that he runs his program to be able to win at the highest level. And, um, you know, I think that doing it again and reinventing yourself again when there's always going to inevitably be a little dip in the learning curve is just something that I don't think, you know, you get to the point where you're an old dog and you don't want to lose, learn any more new tricks. And I think when you combine all of that stuff with the fact that what we just went through, you know, I don't necessarily blame him for saying, you know what, I've done enough, I'm done. Uh, but I will say this. Um, I think that, you know, his, his mentor was Bob Knight, right? He was mm-hmm. the guy that coached him when he was at Army. He was the guy that gave him his first head coaching job. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, first coaching job as an assistant at Indiana in 1975. He was the guy that helped pave the way so that Coach K could get the head coaching job at Army um, in 1976. And I don't think uh, I don't think Coach K, like, it's gone uh, over his head. I don't think it has that Indiana has never quite returned to the level that they were under Bob Knight. And I don't think that he's, uh, I think that he realizes that UCLA has never quite returned to the level that they were under John Wooden. And I think that he understands that it took six years and two coaches for North Carolina to find a guy that could replace Dean Smith and get them back to the point uh, that they were at, at the, the height of Dean Smith's powers. And I think he understands 
that John Shire is 33 years old. You know, John Shire is young enough that when he won the title in 2010, I covered that <laughs> NCAA tournament. I covered that title game. Right? That's how young this dude is. And I think he knows that this is it, it's a monster of a job to to be walking into. And I think he wants to make sure that Shire is set to be able to take over this job. Right? Like obviously he wants his farewell tour and there's a level of ego that that comes with that. But I think it's also very important to note that like it all there's also a level level of ego where he wants Duke to remain at the level that it's at. So we can say, look, Bob Knight was a great coach, but he didn't build that program for success long term. Don Wooden was a great coach, but he didn't set that program up to be able to compete at the level that it was at long term. He wants to be able to say I put John Sire in a position where Duke didn't fall off at all. And I think that these 10 months are going to be a way for him to kind of help uh, bridge that gap, so to speak. So um, I, I, there's going to be lots of jokes made about, oh, he wants this farewell tour. But I think there's a lot more to it than just Coach K simply wanting like a standing ovation when they play at Clemson. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Rob Doster is our guest. One more on Duke. Um, and I don't think Shashevsky would ever ans- answer this question. Maybe he would, you know, when he's with, sitting with a bunch of guys. To come up with his all-time starting five of the of the guys that he oh, coached at Duke, I mean, can you imagine how difficult that exercise would be? Would he ever answer <laughs> that question? He's got um, to know it in the back he, of his he, mind, I he bet. He probably would not. Uh, but I will tell you this. If you're going to build an all-time Duke starting five and you do not have Kyrie Irving, yeah. Jay Williams, yeah. and Grant Hill as like your, your three guards, then I have no idea what you're doing. When it comes to the big guys, I mean, there's a lot of – would, would, Coop, would Carlos Boozer be your starting five? Like, who I, would be their best? Starter? I'm with you. He's he was terrific. I mean, how difficult is this? Would that exercise be to do? And think of the guys it's that wouldn't hard. be on the list. I mean, you could take yeah, those so, guys who wouldn't so make have, it. Um, one of the one of the podcasts on our network is is called Dawkins on Duke. It's Andre Dawkins who um, has all of the Duke legends coming on. And one of the questions that he asked them is, "Who is your all time Duke starting five? And all of these guys are like, "Oh, come on! You're, you're going to put that on me." Right. You're going to make me answer that question, but I will tell you this. I think Tyree Irving is probably the most talented player that ever came through the Duke basketball program. Now, we can argue about what he's ended up being in the NBA and this, that, and the third, but when it comes to the pure ability, I don't think that there's been a better player to come through Duke from a talent perspective. Uh, I don't think that there's ever been a better player while he was at Duke than Jay Williams. And I know that that's that lofty expectations. I know that people are going to put Christian Leitner in there, but I do think that Jay Williams was the best Duke basketball player um, that has been there. Uh, and um, I think when it comes to just like raw talent in terms of what could he have been if he didn't get injured, I don't think that there's been anyone better than um, than than Grant Hill, right? Like, can you imagine Grant Hill, a six foot eight point guard, with the athleticism that he had in the modern NBA? He'd be an all world player. Right, and he probably was during his heyday. Like there were, I went back and looked at it. He had years where he averaged like twenty three nine and seven assists, which is just absurd in that day and age. But can you imagine him now without the ankle problems? He'd be an absolute monster. So give me those three. Give me Christian Leitner, and give me whatever five minutes you want to give me. And I, I mean, that Duke five is never losing a basketball game ever. We can go old school. Danny Ferry, Mike Kaminsky. I mean, we can throw them in the mix. Yeah. Best shooter in college basketball, J.J. Redick. Yeah. Zion Williamson, I need a little athleticism. Best broadcaster. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jason Tatum. I mean, you can play this game for a long time. It's it's a good one. Doster. Actually, you know what? That is that is the answer right there. You put you put Zion Williamson at the five, with uh-huh. Grant Linger at the four, yeah. Grant Hill at the three, Kyrie and Jay Williams in the backcourt. Man. Not losing. Basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Barrett doesn't get a sniff. 
Want to uh, come back home here and finish up with you with a couple of questions on Iowa and Iowa State. Want to start with the Hawkeyes. Now, I hope you were sitting down when you saw the news, C.J. Frederick officially announcing he was uh, leaving for Kentucky. I know that came a shocker, even with that big list that uh, that Rossdeed came out with. Of all the schools that were suiting him, yeah, he ends up at Kentucky. Take away from that, and Iowa basketball going forward. It kind of feels like the end of an era with, of course, Luka moving on. Your thoughts of what Iowa basketball is going to be now going forward with this next tier coming through? Oh, man, it'll, it'll be interesting because I think that this group kind of grew together, right? We saw them come in, and, and they were maybe a little bit disappointing in the first couple of years, but then, you know, Jordan Bohannon developed into one of the best shooters in the Big Ten. Joe Weiss came developed, and Luca Garza obviously became the monster that he was. Um, so it's going to, I mean, look, you're kind of at the end of a cycle, right? And you're going you're, you're gonna to have to rebuild it. And I do think that there's still talent in and around that program. Like, Joe Toussaint's a really good player. Um, the Murrays are really, really good players. And, uh, I, you know, I think that you're going to kind of have to rebuild. And, and look, um, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but Iowa is Iowa. You're not going out there and, and finding uh, the five-star prospects, and you're not going to go out there and get the best transfers on the market. You're not going to rebuild immediately. You're not going to go right back to having the, the, the player of the year on the roster. Um, but I do think that it's, it, I mean, Fran has done a really good job at developing players within his program and building offenses around what those players can be. And he's done that at a lot of different stops. And there's been years where Iowa has been really good in the past. So I think we're probably going to end up seeing that same kind of uh, growth trajectory. Now, it makes it a lot easier to do when you have guys, again, like Keegan Murray and Joe Toussaint, who uh, are going to be two of the better players in the Big Ten next season. So if you can find ways to kind of develop pieces around them, then, you know, you're starting from a pretty good spot. But uh, it's not it's not going to be an easy thing to do, and it's probably going to end up taking some time. Iowa State? <laughs> well, TJ's bringing I mean, in some dudes. Yeah, he is, and he's he is a good recruiter. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy position to be in, right? Because part of the reason why Fred Hoiberg was able to get that program going to the point that it was uh, as good as it was is because he was kind of ahead of the curve. He was, yeah, on, no doubt. Uh, on the transfer yeah. stuff. And he found, like, he, I don't I don't want to say he caught lightning in a bottle, but he was able to put a team together that um, that it just worked. And when you're in the transfer market the way they are, it doesn't always work that way. And you don't always find guys like Monte Morris and, and, and George Niang to kind of, uh, you know, be All-Americans and NBA players that aren't, looked at as top 50 recruits like it's it's hard to hit on those guys so um tj is a good evaluator and he was definitely involved in a lot of that stuff uh when 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 uh when he was back as an assistant with the program but uh, i i do think it is important to note that like the rest of the country has kind of caught up to what iowa state did so how are you going to differentiate yourself again look iowa state got a great fan base a passionate um Passionate, uh, <laughs> passionate fans on Twitter. Uh, let's just leave it that. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, obviously, you can you can win a lot of games um, playing in that building with the uh, the Hilton Magic, but you're going to have to find a way to differentiate what you do because, again, it's the same thing as Iowa. You know, at the end of the day, you're not going to find one player, two players, three players in one class that's going to immediately change everything. It's got to be a slow build, um, and I think they can get there. I do. I like TJ a lot, uh, but it's it's, it's going to take time. No doubt. you got to find a way to do things a little bit different than uh, anybody else. How, how do you get that? If you're not one of the Blue Bloods, if you're not one of mm-hmm. not Baylor, um, how are you going to go out and differentiate the way that you do things? And, and that's going to be the key to uh, 
to the long-term growth for Iowa State. If you're a fan of college basketball and if you like listening to podcasts, check out the lineup at thefieldof68.com, thefieldof68.com. you got Robbie Hummel and Goodman uh, doing one. Hummel, I, I, I could listen to Robbie Hummel do a basketball game. I'd like them to do the, the 6 o'clock game and the 8 o'clock game. Uh, that would be fine by me. I think he's terrific, and I know you've got him as part of your stable over at thefieldof68.com. Doster, thanks for doing this, Rob. We appreciate you coming on. Always a pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. Good to talk to you, pal. Rob Doster, the Field of 68. We'll take a quick timeout. What do you have? I got one more college basketball note, and I, I'm positive you didn't read because you don't like reading emails anymore. <laughs> That's come to my attention here lately. But yesterday, uh, the email comes in from the Iowa Sports Information Department that Mm -hmm. today, this afternoon, Fran McCaffrey is going to be available. As we know, that's the first time we've heard since E.J. Frederick left. Available locally? He will be available. They'll have a Zoom with him. Ah, He'll be Zooming. Yeah. In the press release, though, where the basically, hey, he's going to be available. But don't ask this. It said... Frey McCaffrey will be available to talk about players currently on the <laughs> nice. Iowa roster. And I chuckled at that one to know. And it just, I get it. I understand yeah. it. But to think that there's not going to be a question for the first time there is. about C.J. Frederick. Yeah, that's going to be there. Jordan Bohannon, I'm going to guess, also going to be a topic. Absolutely. Well, he's a current player on the roster. He can be asked about that one. Trent, I'm convinced that this is, it's, it's happened. We're just going to move on. I don't think I don't think anybody that's going to see the light of day. What really happened? I saw a tweet from the account of his podcast that said they will be recording a podcast July first that will explain in detail everything that went down from his perspective. Night. From his perspective, <laughs> right? Right. There's another side. I'd like to hear their podcast. I'm not sure they have one. Probably not. Uh, Eleven forty-five. Miller and Condon. Fourteen sixty KXNO. KXNO. Trent Condon here with you. There's two kinds of rental property owners: the do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy. You know, DIY guy. He insists on handling everything himself, even if it makes him miserable. Renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at Renter's Warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renner's Warehouse guy, he lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them, email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renner's Warehouse guy lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renner's Warehouse guy, he sleeps soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free rental price analysis at Renner'sWarehouse.com today. That's Renner'sWarehouse.com today or call 515-528-4429. A business name is important? Sure. For one, it's how we connect with you, find you, and do business with you. But what's behind the name matters more. Roshan Corporation of Iowa is now Graphite Construction Group. We're building offices, retail centers, tenant improvements, schools, and more. But the most important thing we build? Our relationship with you. Let's get started on your construction project. Visit us at graphitegrp.com. Mistakes. Welcome back. Such an underrated band from the 60s and 70s. You know, when you think about uh, some of the biggest names, these guys clearly were. 
A lot of songs that I know. But it you was, wouldn't know they were CCR? Well, that was one of, when I first got into older music, yeah. which probably would have been, I don't know, early 90s. Mm-hmm. All right. I like my music, but I'm going to go back and listen to dad stuff. The real music. Right. And it was, first it was the Beatles. I think everybody has that phase, at least yeah. of my era, yeah. has that phase where you go through that. I remember seeing him on Ed Sullivan for the first time and yeah. blown away. And and I've heard my parents talk about that. This even, is mid-60s. Yeah, just how different it was. And then morphing for me into the Stones. Mm-hmm. CCR was a big part of that. In fact, that would have been one of my first tapes. It's probably a best of, you know, right, tape yeah, or something yeah. like that. Of outside of the ones of my era, that was probably one of the first ones. So yeah, a big fan. CCR. Best of. Did you guys have KTEL? Was KTEL a KTEL, thing? KTEL, no. That was the best of. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, don't know how that <laughs> came up. Um, what have you? Do you like anything today? By the way, I don't have a, little... a strong opinion. So I so did the take the day run. off. No, you can do that. You know. No, 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 no. no. Well, I was over three two nights ago. Yep. Then yesterday, I handed out the round robin. I hit two of four, which, oh, that's not bad. When you're round robin it, though, I actually only hit three of 11 bets. That's mm-hmm. not good. No, that's losing. That's losing. Mm-hmm. So now we're heading down this path. I look at the NBA tonight. I think Portland's going to win. I think they're going to win by five. That's the number. Okay. Lakers, Suns, you could tell me anything could happen, and I believe you. I got a crystal ball, and the Suns are going to be win by 20. Okay, the Lakers are going to win by 20. It's going to be a close game. I would believe anything in that one. I'll probably end up betting it. It should be a stay away for me. Baseball, nothing jumped. You got anything hockey-wise? Anything uh, looking good there to you? Well, I, I like the Islanders. I, the Islanders are 16-1. to 1, 14 or 16-1 to 1 to win the Cup. I yeah. think they're a dark horse candidate to win. This is a pesky team. They get by the Bruins. They're going to have to play the, in all likelihood, Tampa. Mm-hmm. I mean, Colorado's a juggernaut, and Colorado's a massive, massive favorite. They'll play the winner of the Canadian division. What looks like it's going to be Montreal. Um, so Montreal, Carolina, Montreal, Colorado, and then Tampa. Boston's a tough out, but the Islanders are pesky. Vegas played really well they, last that night. That was their chance, Trent. Yeah, had to have that yep. one. And so many posts, had so many wide-open nets. You're not beating this Colorado team four out of five. No way. No way in hell. Even with three of them at home. It's just, it's not happening. So that one is over. Yep. And then Colorado will march to the Stanley Cup because whoever is in their path, whether it be Montreal or Winnipeg, is not going to put up any much of a fight at all. Varsity versus JV. It kind of feels like that. They may win a game, but then they'll be well-rested, take on the winner of Tampa Bay Boston or Tampa Bay Islanders, Mm -hmm. uh, and then they're going to schedule a parade in downtown Denver. There it, is. there it is. Today, by the way, the first day in 24 years and 49 weeks of doing this, that being a fan of the Winnipeg Jets got maybe clouded my judgment uh, earlier. It's never come up before. Yeah, not, not a covered factor. And never in June, right? As never, we talked well, about earlier. Never in June, for sure. It definitely is never. Uh, your twins and the Royals collide tonight. Yeah. Is that what's on your agenda for sports viewing? I don't think I'll watch much of it. I'll be watching NBA. I'll be watching hockey. I'll be. I'll be getting ready for the Cubs tonight, too. I'm excited to see this Giants 45, right? Yes. Yep. And by the way, you did have KTEL. I just heard from an old guy that lives in Iowa. <laughs> you did have KTEL cool. records. So they're, they're just best of records? Yeah, best of. Yeah. What's KTEL stand for something? Uh, Is it an acronym? It's, no, it's uh, it's a company. 
Oh, okay. It was a company that, yeah, that compiled them together. And then they had all these little ga- gadget given. I knew the owner. The guy's name is Phil Kivas. He's a Winnipeg guy. But uh, and he okay. owned a bunch of horses. But anyways, but you did have KTEL. All right. <laughs> I just never heard of it. First year they've come up in the 24 years, 49 right. weeks as well, by the way. Well, remember, I grew up in North Iowa. We missed a few things throughout yeah. time, too, that, that didn't make their way up there. So very well could have been prevalent even here in Des Moines. S- I never saw them. So tread lightly as far as if you're listening to TC for yeah. some advice tonight. There is no strength, but, you know, Bet Rivers always has a lot of nice props. They do. It's a good app, too. And we encourage you, or DraftKings, as we we are uh, spokespeople. You know what we're called on uh, on the Bet Rivers contest that we're in and then the DraftKings during football? You know what they refer to us as? What's that? We're influencers. <laughs> Look How at about us. that? Moving up in the world. Indeed we are. Uh, Murph and Andy, they'll be here in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics are here at three. We are Miller and Condon. We're weekdays from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.